Hello, welcome to The Social Minute, the podcast that looks at the social network minute by minute. Today, we are going to be covering Minute 28, uh, which goes from 27 to 27.59 on the clock. Uh, we start off with Mark Zuckerberg saying a website. Um, and, and obviously, the website he's talking about will be the Facebook. Um, he tells us what it offers. Uh, you know, uh, he says rather ironically, putting the entire social experience of college online something that obviously he is reluctant to actually experience himself um and then we find out between cutting to the present day and back to you know the uh, you know the the kind of discussion that's taking place in this freezing cold alley uh, that it's going to be like a final club except they are the president um and you know then there's a question which gets asked um by eduardo in the present where he, he finishes off the minute saying uh, it was a big project. He was going to have to write tens of thousands of lines of code. So I wondered why he was coming to me and not his roommates, Dustin Moskovitz and Chris Hughes. And that's where the minute finishes. Uh, and we'll find out exactly why Eduardo was suspicious in the next minute. Uh, but basically, this minute is all about, um, you know, the actual concept of what Facebook was going to be. And joining me to talk about it today is Jill Torres and Sarah Roberts. Hello. Hello. Hi. I think this is interesting because, you know, this is pretty much what Facebook started out being, you know, uh, a website that offers, you know, friends, pictures, profiles. Uh, you can visit, browse around, maybe talk to someone you just met at a party. Uh, I'm sure we've all had that experience, uh, probably in previous years, probably not recently, where you've met someone and then they have friended you on Facebook like the next day and you're thinking to yourself, who is this person who sent me this friend request? I don't remember talking to this person. Um, and, you know, he's, he says here, I'm talking about putting, taking the entire social experience of college and putting it online. Um, and there's a certain level of irony that's being offered here because obviously Mark Zuckerberg has just arrived at a party and 60 seconds later he's exited that party. So uh, the question would be, what does Mark Zuckerberg know? Uh, this Mark Zuckerberg, not the real one, because apparently the real Mark Zuckerberg was known for going to parties and getting quite drunk. Uh, but what does this Mark Zuckerberg know about being you know, at parties? Um, you know, What does he think this online experience will be? Um, and we get my favourite exchange, which is, I can't feel my legs. And Mark Zuckerberg immediately going, I know, I'm totally psyched about this too. And I think the kind of the quickness of that delivery by Jesse Eisenberg really sells it. And this is the first time in the film that we've really seen Mark Zuckerberg, um, you know, since the creation of Face Mash, um, like seem excited. Like he seems genuinely excited about the idea. And, you know, this is I probably I think the first time that he's referred to Eduardo as just Wado. Um and we get the the kind of the famous kind of, um, I don't know, finishing of the sentences in the depositions, which is something that happens later on in the film um, with like the, one of the lines that appears in the trailer. But this, you know, he, he, he says, but Wado, and then we cut to Eduardo saying it would be exclusive. And then you immediately cut back to Mark saying you'd have to know people on the site to get past your own page, like getting punched. And of course, Eduardo saying that's good. That's new. Uh, now, this obviously contrasts with MySpace, where basically anyone could make friends with you on MySpace. <laughs> and, um, 
and you did there wasn't a reciprocal thing that's that's the thing about myspace there wasn't a reciprocal kind of like you had to follow someone back or make friends with someone back on myspace it was possible for you to have much like you know, on twitter it was possible for you to have like hundreds of thousands of people being your friends and you not really know any of them right um and that was obviously the difference with facebook was you had like you when someone sent you a request you had to approve that request which of course is what is being laid out here you know the idea that you can't you can't just go on and see people's pages uh, obviously there are certain privacy issues where like you know uh, you could just see people's pages <laughs> Uh, you know, once Facebook actually started going, you know, people had everything basically set as public as default. Um, so even now, I think there's some people's pages where they've if you're not friends with someone and they've really restricted their page, you can scroll back in their history and you'll see, still see stuff from like the first time when they joined. Because obviously some of those posts are not private, but, you know, they're still public. So it's quite fun to go and look at, you know, friends of friends profiles and just see all these public posts from like... 2011 when people liked websites and that posted as a facebook you know status and stuff um and then obviously you know when we come back to the deposition eduardo set, talks tells us about you know how people were going to provide their own pictures their own information <laughs> and they had the ability to invite or not invite their friends to join and it was a social structure where you know and, and he talks about how in a world where the social structure was everything that was the thing and i think that's again those lines are quite interesting nine years down the line yeah. <laughs> where basically they're admitting that everyone is going to provide all the information and they don't have to do anything basically i mean the aaron sorkin style of of dialogue being laid out is is something that i don't see very many writers emulating probably because they they think they can't or or, or something like that but it's interesting to me how robotic uh, once i keep going back to robotic but not not about zuckerberg in this movie uh but like the deposition and how everything's being laid out like like he's watching the movie like eduardo is watching the movie as he's saying like this is exactly what he said and stuff like that and uh, you know you know that memory doesn't work that way. Like remembering exact conversations, exact situations, it's like very, very unlikely that you're going to remember word for word what was said at, at a time and a place. But it's all laid out for the characters like they have the script in, in the movie, which is, I think it's really yeah. interesting. Well, I, it, obviously, the flashbacks that, that take place in this film, you know, which started the first, the first like fifteen, sixteen minutes of this film, you know, is 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 basically all flashbacks that are coming back from a deposition, and then we kind of jump into the depositions, and so everything we see in the past is always testimony in depositions. So some of it, I mean, when we get later on where they've got groupies and stuff like that, it's like I don't know that that would have been in depositions, but obviously <laughs> that's just where the film has then kind of gone in a slightly different direction in terms of what it's doing in in the flashbacks. But yeah, like the the idea that everything is kind of very like the fact that eduardo i mean it's worth saying as well everything that's in these depositions was taken from actual depositions so this dialogue here that eduardo is saying is what the real eduardo Saverin said in the actual deposition right so but then obviously the film is being structured around what people said in the depositions basically right and you can see how uh, at being adapted to that way into like a narrative like if it had been a movie that didn't include the depositions that was just trying to make a narrative from that, how you could end up with a character that uh, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't recognize as himself 
Like, like, no, I was going to parties. Well, in these depositions, we were talking about how, like, distance you were and, like, how you might have had an agenda. So you you come off as kind of a, you know, a slightly sinister person here. But that's, I mean, that's, we're going off the, the transcripts, you know. Um, but I, I mean, I do, I do kind of like as well that, that, like, I don't know, the idea that Facebook was exclusive. I, th- you know, and, and the idea, you know, that's, that is, that is that like when people talk about, you know, like, um, you know, the rise and fall of like Friendster and MySpace and all these other kind of social network sites, the thing that made Facebook special was the idea that you couldn't just join Facebook and become friends with like a hundred people. And then, you know, like, and they, they would just all be complete strangers. The idea was that, you know, you, you had to know people on there. Like when you started your, you know, your, your profile, it, it only like your experience was only made worthwhile by being actual friends with actual people and making friends that way. Um, and, you know, I remember sitcoms of the time talking about uh, particularly MySpace, um, which, you know, by the way, has a reference in Iron Man, which is, is really funny to go back and watch uh, Iron Man have a, a reference to MySpace. Um <laughs> You know, uh, but like the thing about MySpace, and this is something that would kind of appear in sitcoms where they would talk about like social media is like, um, you know, maybe in something like the Big Bang Theory where, you know, Sheldon is like, I've got, you know, 50,000 friends. And it's like, yeah, but they're all on MySpace. They're not really your friends. They're just people that kind of, you know, made friends with you on this social network. And that is the thing that Facebook wasn't. Facebook wasn't you can just make friends with a bunch of strangers. Uh, I think now it. Ha- I know I wouldn't say strangers, but obviously you can make friends with people on Facebook now. You know, through friends of friends, or through Facebook groups, or you know, through Facebook pages, or like there are other means to make friends with people now through Facebook. Uh, but when you when it was first started, the idea of you, you know you can only be on this site and you will only get any value out of it if you know other people on it. Uh, I think is like you know that is the hook. That is the, that is the thing that made Facebook stand out from MySpace. Is like people could say, oh yeah, you know you've got five thousand friends on MySpace, but you don't know any of them. Whereas with Facebook, it was a lot harder for that to be true, particularly when it started off. Um, you know, obviously the certain celebrities who had actual Facebook pages when they when the, the whole thing started, and there was like a cap. I think we, which I think was five thousand. Like once you had five thousand friends on my on um, on Facebook, you couldn't have any more friends. Um, and so then you had to convert your page, like your, your actual profile into like a page and then pages can have like, you know, millions of friends. Um, but like that idea of the exclusivity was the thing that sold Facebook at the start was like, oh yeah, you can't, you can't just go around making friends with strangers on Facebook. Um, (laughs) you know, you, you have to friend request people that know you're going to, it's that kind of weird thing of like, you know, um, and I don't know if either of you've done this, but in real life of being saying to someone, I'm I'm gonna send you a friend request on Facebook. You know, you like say yes to this friend request so that we can be friends on Facebook. Like that kind of thing of in the real world having to kind of be like, um, you know, particularly if you, there's people who've got like you know common names, um, being like, okay, which which one of these people are you on Facebook? Like having a profile picture so people know who you are on Facebook so they can make friends with the right you know you basically, um, and and I, like so I don't know if you you experienced that certainly in the early days of Facebook where if you wanted to make friends with people you'd have to kind of make it clear to them you're going to put a fa- you're going to send them a friend request right and kind of basically ask them not to refuse that request I remember kind of at some point being able to say hey it's me the person that was talking to you at the flea market or whatever like the <laughs> I met you at so and so's party like. But having the ability to say, 
you know, and sometimes you'd still get refused anyway because they didn't see it or whatever <laughs> that you had told them that. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, because there was a time where when you sent a friend request, you would have to put like a little like message in, wouldn't you? You'd have to put like a little thing of like, yeah, it's me from this place. So, yeah, so you had that ability. I think now friend requests are just friend requests, aren't they? Because you know, obviously, messenger they send you a messenger thing, so. if they want to do that. Yeah, it feels. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it was that kind of weird thing of like. I mean, I personally don't normally discuss online with people when I'm not online. So if I'm talking to people in real life, I very rarely be like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to make friends with you on Facebook or something these days. But, you know, 10 years ago, that was a thing that you'd have to say to people's like, I'm going to send you a ring friend request. Look out for it. Don't turn me down. <laughs> like, don't, That's the worst thing in the world as well, um, was sending friend requests. Being rejected. Having people... Yeah. Not even, and then maybe a few months later being like, oh, I didn't even see your friend request. And you're like, well... We're both on Facebook and we both know that's a lot. Maybe us older people are a little more hardened to that kind of rejection. <laughs> <laughs> because it feels like we've been through a little bit more of it, maybe. Like, even by accident, we would think, why did this person refuse me? I've been friends with them for years or whatever. Does this mean something? <laughs> Yeah, when you're younger, you know, that uh, the same thing with the MySpace. It's like, why am I not in your top friends? You know, like yeah. when you actually make it to that group and Facebook didn't have that. But like, I, I think back, like I, I used to accept everybody except for relatives. <laughs> but that's just because <laughs> like, I didn't. That, that was not what I was wanting to uh, be in constant communication it with. It was a different place before your relatives were your friends <laughs> on Facebook. Yeah, and I'm sure at this point we can all relate to the relative who forgets their password, so just starts up a brand new Facebook page yeah. and friends with everybody again, <laughs> and then does that a third time, and then a fourth time, and then eventually you're, you know, you're friends with your own grandpa seven times on Facebook, and he basically doesn't know which of the ca- the accounts he uses anymore. So you're just there with like, I, I mean, you you can't unfriend your your grandpa. I mean, you know, even if you are friends with him seven times, because you don't know which one is his actual account anymore yeah i don't know I, I mean i just i find it so interesting because obviously um you know facebook has changed a lot since the kind of the early days like we said you know like you used to have just the wall you used to have everything in third person you know they they changed all that they introduced messenger they introduced groups they introduced pages um like everything has kind of changed um the only thing that hasn't changed is they don't let you put songs on facebook or any kind of audio but they will let you do live videos and stuff so it's like well i don't know just doesn't make any sense to me like the one thing facebook won't do is uh, is audio um which you know i think they could, if they if they played their cards right they could literally be the only place that anybody went for anything because you know people go to other places for like podcasts and stuff but if they actually hosted audio they could have all the podcasts in the world on their network because it'd be so e- it's so much easier for people to just be like, here is my podcast, right. it's on this page. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, this idea of putting the entire social experience of college online is like is, is just like an interesting hook. And the exclusivity obviously was the, you know, the big selling point. Um, and I think that like, for if, you, if you never had a Facebook page, and in 2010 when this film came out, it's possible that a large portion of the audience didn't even understand what Facebook was. Right. Um, I think this scene really sells the idea of exactly what Facebook started out as and why people would want to, you know, have it. Um, you know, if there were a, a movie that was about MySpace, I don't know that you could you could really sell anybody on the idea of what a MySpace page was in, in 2008. Like, it'd just be like, well, it's 
I don't know, it's a page that comes up with a bunch of random things on and like you have your top eight and I don't know, like songs play and like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't think you could pitch it as cleanly as this pitch of Facebook is here. And, I, th- you know, this also comes from, you know, this comes from the de- depositions, but it also comes from Aaron Sorkin kind of streamlining it and getting it to literally an elevator pitch of like, well, this is what it is. You've got your friends, you've got pictures, you have profiles. It's, you know, the college experience online. And I think that summation is like, this is kind of like the selling point in the film of like, oh yeah, that's what Facebook was. <laughs> like, yeah. that's what it started out being. And, and obviously it's grown since then, but it's such a simple kind of pitch and you can kind of understand, you know, why it took off like it did, um, you know. I, th- I think probably the way it was described to me was that it was a less formal way of communication than email was. And it was a way to sort of see how your friends were feeling or whatever. And that's so available through different forms of communication now that it doesn't seem like something that you would think of going to Facebook for. Maybe a little, but you would be communicating it to very large groups of people you know at this point. Um, yeah, I think I think something like, you know, WhatsApp or whatever has kind of taken that place of like, if you want to, if you want to, I mean, effectively, you know, uh, if you think of um, stuff like WhatsApp or Messenger or any of those types of communication apps, uh, they are effectively what Facebook was to start off with, which is a status, but just to a small exclusive group. Um, but obviously just expressed in the form of like a, a messaging app, which, you know, it doesn't have like a fixed status on a particular day or whatever. But if you think of it like that, it is pretty much like. Um, you know the messages in like a whatsapp group are just basically people giving status updates like they would have on the original kind of like facebook um you know so um but you know i feel like we've covered about everything that goes on in this minute so let's talk a bit more broadly about david fincher um you know obviously i i think the thing that sold this film to me was certainly the idea that it's david fincher um, and aaron sorkin doing a film together <laughs> and i was like okay like didn't matter, it didn't really matter what the subject was you know i was like a huge david fincher f- fan anyway um you know and so i was just like well whatever whatever this film turns out to be i'm gonna see it anyway um you know what are your guys thoughts on uh, on david fincher more generally um i love david fincher um i i really loved uh fight club and um I only recently saw Zodiac because I was afraid to see it when it first came out. But um, so amazing and so unique the way he um, frames dynamics between people. And um, and I've yeah recently watched this video about how he hijacks your eye when you watch. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but there's this video you can watch. Oh yeah, about no, I, I love that. Steering I love that you, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I really it's called uh, it's called David Fincher and every other way is wrong, <laughs> uh, which, is a, which is a great title. For it. But just the way that like they, I think they give the example of um, one of the scenes in seven where you have Arlie Ermey talking to Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. And just the way the characters are sitting and how the camera moves dictates who is in charge of the scene at what time and how the camera follows like cuts between them and how there's two shots of this these two characters and those two characters and how like it just kind of get like without any dialogue you can see who is the most important person and where the dialogue is going and yeah i mean david fincher you know pretty much never does handheld is is the main message of the whole thing 
And when you watch his films, it becomes like, I mean, a thing, a thing that became like a, a kind of David Fincher kind of like trope was going through stuff. Yeah. And Panic Room is really the only the kind of the last time that he kind of did that, like kind of went a bit overboard with it, where he's like following telephone lines and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but mostly it is, like you say, it is about controlling where you're looking on the screen. Um, and Zodiac is probably, I don't know, in, term, in terms of like his actual style, Zodiac is probably the best use it's, of it because it is just a lot of people talking in rooms. It's incredible, though. It makes you feel like you're there. Um, and it's, yeah, I really, I really loved Fight Club as soon as I saw it. I remember going to the movie theater by myself to see Fight Club because nobody else would go with me. And um, it was probably like, 2000 or 99 I, I was in santa cruz that year but um 99 yeah i just remember thinking i was like i really want to hear that song that was in the trailer i had never i didn't know the name of the band the pixies at the time <laughs> i mean i kind of i had heard of them but i at the time i was like wow i want to hear more about that band and find out who they were <laughs> And that, the weirdest thing is that is probably like that. That does also have the camera going through stuff when when they're talking about Project Mayhem and, and where the bombs will be set up and everything. Right. Uh, but it also finishes with like a CGI shot, and it's st- like it's still it, to this day. Whenever I watch Fight Club, that final shot with the not the final shot of the penis uh, that gets spliced in, but the final shot of the exploding buildings and them standing in the window and knowing that that's basically just all green screen. And all of those explosions are like little tiny models that were then turned into CGI and blown up. Uh, it's just kind of an, it's just an amazing shot. And you're like, when people complain about CGI, I'm like, you know, watch any David Fincher film right. and you'll see a ton of CGI and you won't even realize you're watching Seamlessly. CGI. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, particularly Zodiac, like there's, there's not a single frame of that film that wasn't altered digitally. And it's kind of crazy because it's like it seems like a film that wouldn't really need that, but like every, literally everything in that film was kind of color graded, and you know, there's a lot of scenes where they shot like just a car in the street and just put green screens up, and then they put everything in later, um, and you can't even tell, um, you know, and all the CGI blood and everything looks really good. Like the whole like the whole thing is, uh, you know, those are two really good films as, as well. Um, and then obviously he took that to extremes with uh, Benji Burton, where he literally <laughs> had CGI bodies. Obviously, we haven't talked about the Winklevosses in in this minute because they're not in it. Uh, I don't think they're in any of the minutes we're going to talk about this this week. But that CGI is kind of, is incredible as well. Um, when you kind of see how they did it in the behind the scenes, and it's like literally every single take that they did, they had to do twice mm-hmm. um, with like Army Hammer sitting in one place and then Josh Pence sitting in the other, and they just swapped and then they like I don't know. It's just it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Any other films that you like of David Fincher's, Joel? I mean, I, I like all... I've seen everything except for uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. And uh, I haven't seen uh, Rick Springfield, the beat of the live drum either. But, you know, that's that's next on my list of things to watch. Uh, I, I think it's interesting how even his, like, his filmography is. Like, you could look at the, the stuff he did... And be like, yeah, that's all quality stuff. Uh, like, I, I really like Gone Girl. Didn't really talk that one. And that was basically his last theater uh, release, which is kind of crazy. Like, uh, I guess he's been doing TV stuff. But uh, e- even things like Alien 3 and uh, I, I don't like Benjamin Button, but I have an appreciation for it. Uh, I think they all have 
this this style it's it's kind of like michael michael mann's style where you know he somehow inserts just so much shadow in in all of his work that adds drama and and makes everything look amazing you know 70s only his second film and that's it is, crazy it, like it's perfectly stuck yeah for someone to get that good that it's, quick is kind of crazy and it's so him too like it's so his style yeah. i think that's really amazing when someone can figure it out without much trial and error um what they want to do what they want to say and i mean also i i love the game because the game was the first film that i saw at my local cinema when it opened Oh. Uh, literally, like opening night, that was the first film that I went with a couple of friends to see, and we saw because we, obviously we were fans of um, we we're fans of uh, of David Fincher anyway because of Seven, and so that was literally the first film that we saw on the, the like the first like day of that cinema being open. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love the game because basically all it does is it takes you know um, Michael Douglas's character from Wall Street basically, and then just kind of debases him for like an hour and a half. Exactly. And <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's kind of cathartic because you're like, yeah, like Gordon Gecko had kind of, you know, everyone was like in 1988 was like, yeah, Gordon Gecko's great. But by the time you get to 97, people are like, Gordon Gecko's an asshole. And it's like, yeah, and let's see him get like basically put through the, 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 like, the worst situation possible. Let's scare the possible. crap out of him. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, there's obviously there's, there's a scene where he's climbing up this ladder uh, to like escape these dogs or something. And like his shoe drops down and he's like, oh, great. There goes like six hundred dollars. And uh, and uh, I can't remember the name of the Deborah Cara Unger, I think, is the actress that's with him. Yes. And she's like, your shoes cost six hundred dollars, and he's like, yeah, that one did. And it's like this guy's wearing like thousand dollar shoes. <laughs> it's, like, it's like every at every single stage, you can't feel any sympathy for him. You're like, I don't care that he just lost a really expensive no. shoe. No. Like, you know, <laughs> and and I think that film's really great for kind of taking Michael Douglas and just like getting that character to the point where it's like. Like you feel like it's justified the kind of the, the abuse that he gets given before he kind of then gets redeemed a little bit, you know. But I don't know. I I love the end of the game where everyone's kind of like at the party after he's basically attempted suicide <laughs> and landed on that crash mat. And I I think like all the guy everybody kind of coming to him afterwards and all the different actors that are around that you've seen for the whole film. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's just it's kind of it's kind of a delightful end. To, that's one of my favorite endings for like a a David Finch film because it's just like this is so insane, but it's so fun that you know. Um, you know, that's, I don't know, it's such a, it's such a kind of an easy premise as well of like, you know, rich guy, like takes part in the game that he has no control over and everything just keeps getting worse. Like, I just kind of love that, um, you know, but I'm also a big fan of Benji Buttons. Um, you know, I think Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett are really good in it. There's like an hour where it's just them two really. And, and they, they really kind of sell the, the premise of the film of like two people, you know, going in opposite directions in terms of their ages, basically. Yeah. Um, and kind of finding themselves. Uh, but I can understand why people don't like it. Uh, but I think the op- the opening sequence with the kind of clock running backwards and you know all the all the people in the war coming back to life, you know, is is kind of like a really moving, just kind of like opening sequence basically. And it doesn't really have anything else to do with the rest of the film. But you know, they just kind of throw it in there, um, and you get you get like a, a great performance from Jared Harris as just this kind of drunken captain who just I don't know just seems to enjoy life. Um, and it, I don't know. It's just kind of fun. But yeah, David Fincher, like, I don't think, you know, I don't include Alien 3 in his filmography because I don't think he really ever got to make the film he wanted on that. You know, he was just kind of a hired hand. You know, since since 7 onwards, I don't think there's, a, you know, there's a bad film in his filmography. You know, he's just a, an amazing director. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And he brought to life the idea of 
a Facebook film. <laughs> uh, you know, so I feel like we said about as much as we can about this minute. So let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug? So if you want to hear uh, Sarah and I talk about other things, uh, please don't send me our spaces and a podcast we do with our friend Aaron about science fiction and fantasy movies. 150 different episodes on different movie titles to listen on, not to mention specials where we talk about our top fives for a certain uh, decade, year block, and and things like that. Uh, you know, we do a bunch of popular movies, and we do all kinds of weird, obscure stuff, too. And we have guests that people would recognize, like, uh, well, I don't know, do we, do we actually have people that recognize things? Other Minute Podcasts, not Darren, uh, but we've had the, uh, the boys uh, from the uh, Mogwai Minute on, and I think just that, right? Or did we actually have them on? We've just been on them. No, we've been on the Batman Minute. I don't think we had them on. <laughs> uh, anyways, podcast good. Listen. <laughs> well, I feel like that plug spiraled out of control a little bit. And you can find us on MySpace at myspace.com slash the social minute, on Twitter at social underscore minute, and on Facebook at the social minute podcast. Thanks to both of you for being my guest today. Thank you very Thank much you. for having us. Thank you for having us. And otherwise, I'll see you tomorrow.